first reading for today comes to us from the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, beginning at chapter 9, verse 19. Paul writes, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a, as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I, have become, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand out of reverence for the reading of our holy gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. That immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, that everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Congregation may be seated. For for a second here, I am really, really good at taking naps, like expert level, professional nap taker. If you were to say, hey, Sam, I bet you can't take a nap at this time or at this place, you would lose that bet 10 times out of 10 because I'm that good at taking naps. Now, while I'm pretty confident in my ability to take a nap anywhere and at any time, there's one place in particular where I feel most comfortable taking a nap. In our house, we have what is called our fire room. Our fire room has the couch that we sit on most of the time. That couch is about six feet long. I am a little bit less than six feet long, so that means that it's a perfect place for me to really stretch out and to take a nap. Connected to that room is our laundry room. So you've got the the sound of the, the laundry going next door. There's one window in that room. Outside of that window is our heat pump. So you have the nice hum of the heat pump as well. So that room on that couch with all of its warmth of the fire, with the hum of the different appliances, is the absolute best place to take a nap. It is almost too comfortable. And now as I'm describing this place where I like to take my nap, you know what, I had somebody ask me, I bet you get to take naps there a lot. I have two kids, 
I do not get to take naps there a lot anymore. But as I'm describing that place, you're probably thinking about a place where you feel really comfortable as well, a place where you can go, where you know you can be comfortable, a place where you know you can rest. And as we're talking about comfort, I've been wondering, where do you think Jesus was most comfortable? Like, did Jesus have a place where he's like, this is the best place to take a nap? Or like many of us have a favorite chair in our house. Did Jesus even have a favorite chair? Because when I picture being comfortable, I picture myself in my sweats with a, a very full belly, totally sprawled out on the couch on a, in a deep, deep sleep. And I just cannot picture Jesus doing that. I can't picture him doing that or doing anything similar to that. Now, maybe Jesus had a place where he did truly feel comfortable, maybe. Um, but it's very clear from Scripture that Jesus did not live a life of earthly comfort. And as God's people, I'm not sure that we were called to a life of earthly comfort either. Now today we have two readings to help us understand this, and these readings work together really well to prove a very powerful point about the lives that we've been called to lead as God's people. In our first reading, we're reading from Paul in 1 Corinthians, and Paul uses those words, he says, I have become all things to all people. He says that to the Jews, he was like the Jews. To those who were, who were not under the law, he lived as if he was not under the law. To the weak, he became the weak. And he gives you know, a handful of other examples. And what Paul is saying here is that he would determine who he was doing ministry to. And then he would totally entrench himself within their culture or their context. He would live the way that they lived. Because Paul wanted to understand for the people I am doing ministry to, what is life like for these people? What makes them happy? What gives them joy? What are their great challenges? What are their difficulties? What are the things that bring them sorrow or sadness? And he says that he does this, he becomes all things to all people for the sake of the gospel. So that way he can give them the gospel, the most important message that he is ever going to give. Because that is what Paul knows. That is the thing that Paul deeply understands and cares about. He knows that of all the messages that have ever been given throughout all of history, the message of Jesus is the most important message that could ever be shared with somebody. And so he wants to know the people that he's sharing it with so he can share it in a way that is best, in a way that they are going to receive that message best. Now, Paul reminds me of this guy that you may have heard of. His name is Morgan Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock, let's go ahead and put his picture up on the screen here. He's famous for this. Raise your hand if you've seen this movie. It's called Supersize Me. All right, in the movie Supersize Me, Morgan Spurlock, he takes on a challenge that for 30 days, he's going to eat nothing but, you guessed it, McDonald's. 30 days of McDonald's, all three meals. Not only is it all three meals, all 30 days, but he has to eat everything on the McDonald's menu at least once. He also agreed that any time they ask him, would you like that to be supersized, sir? He had to say yes. Spoiler alert, this did not go well for Morgan Spurlock. After only about a week, he had gained over 10 pounds. By the end of the 30 days, his doctors are urging him, hey man, stop. Don't do this. You are very, very unhealthy right now. 
And he did all of this because this was, uh, the, the nation had issued a pandemic of sorts, saying that, like, we're eating too much fast food. And so he wanted to do what others were doing. So that way he could speak from a place of experience about how potentially harmful it could be. After he goes on to do this uh, documentary called Supersize Me, that then uh, snowballs into a TV show called 30 Days, which we've got a picture of as well. In 30 Days, he kind of takes the idea um, a little bit further. He commits to something else for 30 days at a time. Each episode is a new challenge, a new 30 days. So, for example, he spent 30 days living in Dearborn, Michigan with a roommate who took him in. If you don't know, Dearborn has the largest population of Muslim people in the United States. So he found somebody who would take him in as a roommate who was Muslim. And every time that his roommate would pray, Morgan Spurlock would pray. Every time that his roommate would go to worship, he would go to worship. All because he wanted to know what's it like to be a religious minority in America. He wanted to experience that. He did other things like for 30 days he worked a minimum wage job and then he got minimum wage pay because he wanted to know, is it, is it realistic to have any kind of uh, reasonable life on minimum wage? He spent 30 days as an inmate in a prison because he was curious as to the conditions of, of prisons. Are they humane? Are they inhumane? To what level are they humane or inhumane? All of this is not because he just wanted to produce the entertainment. It's because he wanted to know what's it like to live life in these ways. He wanted to be an advocate for these people if needed. You know that saying, you never lived or walked a mile in somebody else's shoes? Right? That is what Morgan Spurlock did. That is what Paul is saying he would do in his ministry. For Paul, this wasn't a game. This wasn't some act or some ruse. This was a genuine effort to understand the lives that others lead. Because here's the thing that Paul knows. Remember, he knows that he's got the most important message that could ever be shared. So he wants to know the best way to deliver it so it can be best received. It's the exact same thing that uh, Pastor Ebert and I do every single Sunday. We, you know, we come up with, um, with manuscripts and outlines, and we could just stand up here, and we could just read it monotone. But how boring would that be? How challenging would that be to receive the message in that way? But instead, we believe that we are messengers of the greatest message that has ever been given. So we try to deliver it in the most meaningful way possible, in a way that you will receive it the best. And so that means that we have to know you guys. We have to spend time with you. We have to know how you are. We have to know the things that give you joy, the things that give you sorrow. We have to be all things to all people. So that is Paul, becoming all things to all people so that the good news of Jesus could be shared in the most meaningful way possible. For Paul, this is not comfortable. This is not comfortable, but it's the life that he is called to as a follower of Christ. So now let's turn our attention to our gospel reading. In our gospel reading today, we hear about the start of Jesus' ministry. He's in the city of Capernaum, and this is Jesus. This is his Oprah moment. Raise your hand if you've ever watched the Oprah show. All right, I know it's not on anymore, but many of you are familiar. This is where Jesus gets to go into the city and say, you get healed, and you get healed, and you get healed. Right, and it all begins with Simon's mother-in-law. They go to Simon's house, and the disciples say, hey, Simon's mother-in-law is sick. She's got a fever. 
Jesus goes to her right away, holds her hand, helps her up, and immediately she begins to serve. This is not a deal where she's like, you know what, Jesus, like, I feel pretty good. No, she feels probably the best that she has ever felt. So it starts with Simon's mother-in-law, and then word about who Jesus is and what Jesus does, and uh, all of that begins to spread throughout the entire city. It says when nightfall had come, the entire city was gathering around the house, trying to make their way in through the door. And Jesus is healing every person who needs it, every sickness, every disease. He's even casting out the demons of those who are afflicted. It starts with one, it turns into the whole city, and then eventually after all of that chaos, night comes, the next morning comes, and Jesus is said to get up early in the morning. Even before the sun is out, Jesus is up, and he goes off to a desolate place where he can be by himself because he wants to pray. He needs a minute. And what do the disciples do? They don't give him a minute, right? In the middle of this prayer, you've got the disciples who come to him, and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? We've been looking for you. Let's go back. Let's keep doing that thing that we were doing. And instead, Jesus responds and says, you know, the thing that we just did for everybody here, it's time for us to go on to the next town. It's time for us to do for those people what we just did for these people. It's time to preach the gospel to those people like we just preached it to these people. And then the next day, we'll go to the next town, and then the next town, and then the next town. So now as you put it all together, you've got a story of Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law, then healing seemingly everyone in town, escaping the chaos for just a few minutes to be in prayer before eventually suggesting that he's got to go on to the next town and do it all over again. This is a man of very little rest. This is a man of very little comfort. Now, did you catch how it all started? We said earlier, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And here's how it all starts with verse 29. It says, Immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. It all starts with him leaving the temple, the place where he is probably the most comfortable, his father's house. He's in his father's house, and he leaves his place of comfort to go out and to begin his ministry. And he knows that to do his ministry, he has to leave the temple, the place where he's most comfortable. He has to be amongst the people. He has to live with the people. He has to learn about the people. And to do all of that, he has to leave the temple. Now, these last handful of weeks, we've been working through a sermon series where we've been asking, you know, how does Christ still lead us today? What are practical things that we can do in order to be followers of Jesus? And today, I think the thing that we are learning is that it may be time to leave the temple. It may be time to leave the places where you feel the most comfortable, because oftentimes there is a companion to comfort, complacency. It's the voice in your head that says, you know what, things are really good here, Things are pretty good here. Don't go somewhere else. Don't go do something different. Just stay here a little bit longer. And in our Christian faith, where comfort grows, where complacency grows, the sharing of the gospel shrinks. Even as a church, I think sometimes we get comfortable. I think sometimes we get complacent. We get very comfortable in our routines. We tell ourselves, church is on Sunday. 
The kids are going to go to youth group on Wednesday. I'm going to come back on Thursday afternoon for adult Bible study. And then after all that is done, we're going to do it all over again. Then the next week we'll do it all over again. We'll just keep this thing going. But what if we took Paul's words to heart? What if we truly followed Jesus' example? What if as a church we collectively, collectively decided we are going to leave the temple? What if we did something strange? What if we pulled out the calendar and we said, hey, in, in, in two months from now, in three months from now, whatever it is, on this date, on this weekend, there will be no worship services. In fact, let's say nobody is even allowed in the building. But instead, Sunday morning, we're all going to meet in the parking lot, and we're all going to get our assignments, and we're all going to go out. We're all going to go out into the community. We're going to serve. We're going to listen. We're going to love. We're going to be, right? That's the Oprah moment for us, right? You get served, and you get loved, and you get listened to. If we were to do something like that, it would not be comfortable, but it would be the church being the church. There was an author who had this to say about the life of the church. We're going to put this quote up on the board. He said, either the church is missional or it's not the church. Either the church is missional or it's not the church. In other words, the moment that the church becomes more worried or more consumed with what's happening on the inside of its doors as opposed to the outside of its doors, that is the moment that the church stops being the church. Now, Jesus is the head of that church, and nobody embodies mission better than Jesus does. Nobody exemplifies the mission of the church better than Jesus does. Paul was pretty good at it. He was pretty good. He was, you know, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit's guidance, he was able to put some pretty good words to it. But nobody did it as perfectly as Jesus. See, Jesus left the temple to go on mission. And I'm not talking about the temple in Capernaum where the story for today takes place. Jesus was willing to leave the temple of heaven to go on mission for you. Jesus was willing to leave all of the comforts of heaven to go on mission for you. Jesus was willing to leave the presence of the Father to go on mission for you. Can you imagine the kind of love that he must have for you? to give up all the comforts of heaven for you, all so that he could send his son, all so that Jesus could come, live as a human, die as a human, and all of that is going to amount to one day you get to experience all of those comforts of heaven instead. It's hard to imagine that kind of love, the kind of love that Jesus has for us, to be willing to go on mission for us but yet we still experience that exact love every single day. And so may that kind of unimaginable love that Jesus has poured out on us be the same kind of love that we extend to all of those around us. Strengthened by him, I pray that we as a church and as individuals would be willing and ready to leave the temple, to leave our places of comfort so that the love of Jesus would be made known to all around us. So I invite you to join me in prayer. Jesus, you left the temple, the temple of Capernaum, the temple of heaven. Lord, you left behind all of those comforts to go on mission, to, to be amongst your people, to learn about your people, to know your people. Lord, 
we know that you've got a great love for us. We pray that that same kind of love would pour through us into our community as we go out into our community and serve and love and listen and, and be. So Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us to leave the places where we are most comfortable to go out on mission. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Now, having heard God's word proclaimed, we confess that we haven't always lived up to God's command to do those things. We have always lived up to that command to go out on mission, to put others before ourselves. We acknowledge that we've been really focused on ourselves and our own sinful ways. So we're going to confess now, and we're going to do that in two different ways. First, we're going to have just a moment of silence where you can individually reflect and confess on your own. So we take that moment of silent confession now. And now together as God's people, we pray and we confess using the words on the screen. Jesus, we have sinned against you and others in thought, word, and deed. We have failed to follow your ways. We ask that you would forgive us, renew us, and lead us. Amen. In his mercy and in his goodness, Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross so that forgiveness would be yours. So it's by his authority that all of your sins have been forgiven in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.